0: We're going to jump right into it. If you guys remember last week, we started a study through Genesis. So we're going to keep going through and I'm going to recap a bit. But first and foremost, like every week, we're going to read through the scripture that we're covering. So Genesis one, and we're going to go one through five. So grab a Bible. There's enough of it. everybody have a Bible. Good, good, good. All right. So you guys want to stand with me as we read through the scripture together? and the evening and the morning were the first day. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this new day that you've given us. And we thank you for this evening that we just have this freedom and this time, uh, Lord, a building, um, all the stuff that we so often forget to thank you for. We, we thank you for it now, God, that we can come before you and we can open up your word to learn about uh, you, how you've reve- revealed yourself through scripture. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask, as always, I'm in desperate need of you, so would you um, speak through me this evening, Lord, Holy Spirit, and would you also work in everyone who's hearing tonight, Lord, let the things that aren't uh, from you, Lord, let, let that fall to the wayside and everything that is from you, Lord, would that penetrate our hearts and change us that we would walk out of here today different, knowing your character more as you have revealed yourself through scripture, uh, and we do all this for your glory because you are a holy and righteous God. Um, and we are so blessed to be your kids. I ask all this through your son, Jesus. Amen. Cool. So I'm gonna, you guys have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to recap uh, real quick, just as we've been walking through Genesis. So first and foremost, um, there's some foundational scriptures that we uh, I'm going to keep referencing back to that. I referenced to last week as we go through Genesis and we're looking at Genesis. You'll remember that. Um, if you remember last week, you'll remember that I was saying as we go through Genesis, this is going to be the study of not the house, but the building of a home, if, if that sounds familiar. And so there's a few scriptures I want to, you can write them down, but these are going to be the bedrock to allowing us to tether out and and view things probably differently as i've been explaining differently than we have viewed genesis before one of them is colossians 1 and well colossians 1 16 and john 1 3 both of them the the idea behind it is look we're all in agreement god created everything Everything was created by him and for him. So Colossians 1 says for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And John 1, 3 says the same idea, just a little bit quicker. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So right there, we can go outside of Genesis to look at the story of how did things come into existence? How did matter come into ex- existence? We can see it in Colossians 1, John 1. Um, there's verses in Isaiah. There's verses in in Hebrews that that speak of the same thing. So this is the bedrock that... Uh, the prerequisite that I need us to all have as we go through Genesis, looking at it in, the, in this different way. Um, and if you remember another common thing, that theme that I'll bring up constantly is that the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. So meaning that the Bible is for us, that we can take its, its truths are eternal. They transcend culture, but yet it was written within a culture. So the truths transcend culture but the Bible was was written within a culture. So that meaning the same way, remember last week we discussed that the Bible you're reading is in English. That wasn't the original language. So that was translated. The language was translated. And just as the language is translated, the culture needs to be translated. And so we're dealing with... um, Ancient Israelites. We're we're dealing with the the ancient Near East, the ancient world, and their cultures, and how they understood things is different than how we understand them now. So what we want to do is place ourselves in the position of the the original receiver of the message, those ancient Israelites, and first understand it how they would hear these uh, these truths that are coming to them, and then from there we can then translate and see how that affects our daily life. What we want to avoid doing, and we discussed hermeneutics last week, good hermeneutics is, is reading things within context and also reading things within the culture. So what we want to avoid doing is reading something and imposing our 21st century Western idea of that word on what we're reading, because it can be, And a lot of times is completely different because, again, we're dealing with ancient Israelites, the ancient world where their meanings of stuff is different. So we need to honor the author's intent of the message and what he's trying to convey to the intended reader. Makes sense. You guys tracking me? So bit of review first. So we're translating culture. You guys remember I said, uh, uh, what do you uh, what comes to mind when I say easy as pie? What does that mean? Yeah, simple or a piece of cake. That's what it was. Ed, you're so good. Piece of cake. Simple. What did I say? Simplest pie. Yeah. Easiest pie. <laughs> that doesn't work. That totally ruins my analogy. So uh, um, piece of cake. What does that mean? Easy, right? But then it's also, that's, a, that's an actual thing. That's a piece of cake. So the context really matters, but also this is a cultural thing that, that someone else outside of our culture could hear that. They don't know that phrase within our culture. And so they would have to first, uh, in this same situation, they would have to translate the language. And then after the language, they would have to differentiate, does it mean an actual piece of cake or does it mean something else? Well, I need to know their culture to know what this other thing is. And then you know, in Scripture, what we do is we we check Scripture with Scripture. So we we find words, and then we go elsewhere in Scripture to find the use of that word. And there's typically a lot of them. And then from there, uh, these translators or scholars can then take what the best idea is and place it in for the meaning of that word. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of work we have to do, which is second Timothy study to show yourselves approved a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to rightly divide and it. It takes work. Um, all that to say, we don't have to have, um, I want to go back to what I said before of that. The truths of scripture transcend culture. So I don't want, as I'm saying all this and saying, we got to work at it. We got to work at it. You don't need to speak Hebrew, to speak Greek, to, to, to know ancient cultures and customs to know the truth of the gospel. It transcends our culture, but as we're diving into a book and we're diving into a study, we will get a a better picture of what's being said as we translate also the culture as well. So the, the scripture, um, I don't want to heap too much weight on you is that you need to have all this head knowledge to, for the Bible to even make sense. The Holy spirit is revealing scripture to us as our eyes have been unveiled. And now this living word is, is changing us from the inside. Amen. Cool. So, uh, so in an essence, what we're doing here is we're reading somebody else's mail. We're, we're taking a letter written from one person to this other group of people and we're we're jumping in the middle here and trying to make sense of what was being said with language barriers and cultural barriers. And we're jumping in there and trying to see, okay, how is God revealing himself? God has chosen to use to reveal himself to men by using men. So he's inspired to, through inspirational Holy spirit is inspired to write scripture. So we need to jump in there and see uh, what actually is being said. Um, and again, this is a story of, as we're going to look at Genesis with the bedrock of that God created everything and we can find that outside of Genesis. So Genesis doesn't have to prove to us that God created what we see around us. We don't need Genesis to prove that because we see that elsewhere. Do you guys got that? That one's really important. It's going to be really important for the next seven, eight weeks that we don't need Genesis Outside of Genesis, if you didn't read Genesis, you would still come to the conclusion that everything that came into existence came into existence because of God. Boom. Get that. We're good? Cool. So we're going to start. I'm going to do a quickly review through. Last week we did verses 1 and 2. Today we're going to do 3, 4, and 5. But I'm going to quickly go through. One and two. So now we can see the flow as we work through this kind of new, different view. Uh, not different view, but um, I've, 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 man, I don't even know how to say it. Uh, uh, not a freer view, but we're not looking to see how things came into exis- existence. Um, you guys remember I put up the slide of we, we kind of fast forwarded through Genesis and we saw how an ancient Israelite would have viewed creation. And we we showed, it was a picture of a globe that we would view now and be like, oh, that's earth. And those are clouds. And that's, those are the continents. And it would be no big deal to us. And you would show that to an ancient Israelite and they'd be, it's a ball of some sort. I have no idea what that is. And we know all kinds of stuff about it. Their picture of the world was totally different. I showed that slide where there's waters above and there's waters below and there's a firmament, uh, which the space in between and. Uh, It's totally inaccurate scientifically. So what I'm proposing is that we're looking at Genesis to answer questions that it was never trying to answer. Is that Genesis isn't the scientific how God made atoms and how God did all this together. Um, We're we're lacking a lot of that if that's what we're looking for. So Genesis isn't answering those questions. So we're looking to what, how is God revealing himself through Genesis? That should be our big thing. Um, so let's start going through it in the beginning, Genesis one, one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We covered this last week in the beginning, uh, different scholars will, uh, translate that different ways. It is, it's a time and period, but is this the very beginning of all things in the beginning? Kind of a trick question. It's not. Cause God exists before this story, right? So this is like, Hey, this is the beginning of the story. This is, um, we see it a lot through scripture where authors and letters will write kind of this opening statement. And that this is the genealogy of, this is the genealogy of, and then it'll unpack it. That's kind of the same kind of thing, like in the beginning. So this is the setup for, Hey, what's about to come in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. So created is bara. um, That's our first word. I won't unpack it a ton tonight, but that's our first word where we're, what, two three Hebrew words into scripture and our culture is reeling with differences. So we view, uh, in our culture, we view create as material, material matter, like we're material oriented, that I created a podium, therefore I created this material thing ancient Near East, uh, you see it in other um, pagan creation stories, cosmological um, stories, is that creation was the naming of things or the ordering of things. So ancient, if this can help get us in their mindset, these ancient Israelites, um, they were less concerned with things, material. It was like I was saying in Colossians and in John, how the prerequisite is that God created everything. They weren't so much concerned with the things, but how does this work? How does this machinery work? It's like a, a dialed in watch, like so many gears is as how is this thing? How can we rely on scene, time and harvest? And how is all the, this, how is the days, the same amount of time? And, uh, there's, they were seeing the intricacies, intricacies of it, and so creation to them was creating not just material, but it was creating function. It was creating order. It was creating a meaning for the thing. Um, even in, I think it's the Egyptian um, creation account where it's so same time frame, so you can you can understand their culture is that these gods existed, but are. <laughs> These gods didn't exist till they were given names. And once they were given names, they were created. So it was that, that idea of creation is different for us. So we have to kind of get our minds wrapped around that as we go through. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then this is the next one where we really unpacked it last week. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we, we see material there, right? So in the beginning, God created, so God is creating heavens and the earth. What's up there and down here? And here's how he did it. Now, here's the scene. There's things and they're formless and void and it's dark. So I had you last, we're going to do this again. I had you guys close your eyes and like, imagine what you saw. And it was like, we got like black blobs and stuff like that in our heads. So it's this, this picture of, um, chaos, but not in a evil sense. It's setting up the stage that God just simply hadn't done his work yet. So chaos sounds evil, um, but if you can think about it, just as God has not done his His work yet, this was here. Remember, God is before Genesis 1, going like outside time, so it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. Um, and you remember the alliteration? We had tohu vavohu, so wild and waste, was formless and void. No meaning, no order, wild and waste. Tohu vavohu, that's the Hebrew uh, word that we're using there. And then we're going to get into three. So this is today. First three said, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So like I did last week, close your eyes picture. The earth, well, the earth was out form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay. So that's what we set up last week. Okay. Now close your eyes. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Somebody brave. Tell me what you see. Okay, who else? It hurts your eyes. So bright. Um, I see, like, a of light. Got it. So light just permeates, right? Okay, so a couple questions for you. So we're going to start like going through this and trying to get our minds in, in the headspace there. So God existed, right? Because God's creating. So is God light? Do we see in Isaiah and in Revelation? Um, I forget where else, but we see that it's saying where there's no need of the sun because of the glory of God. Yeah. So is is there light before? God is light, but in him there's no darkness. Yeah. So we have a little and the gears, hopefully the gears are turning. And I I think I told you last week, I may give you way more questions than I give you answers. This might be a thing and I'm happy to do it where you guys go home and you dig, dig in, uh, which I, I love if that's the result. So God's creating light, but then we see also there's no, so 21st century Westerners, where, where does light come from? You said it, the sun, right? what, so, f- going f- forward a little bit, when did the sun, moon, and stars get created? Which this is another scholar. Scholars will wrestle with this one. Right, third day. So we're, we're I mean, and I, ans- asking these questions not to get you any. I just want us all thinking. So we're thinking through this. So there's no sun, moon, and stars at that point. And again, to ancient Israelites they didn't understand the sun, the moon, and the stars like we do. They were, they were not the source of light because again, a lot of it is intuitive. If you can forget everything you learned in, in science class. Um, so the sun sets, which is probably doing right about now because of daylight savings time, something like that. So the sun sets, is it still light outside? Yeah. So, so would you intuitively think that the sun is the source of light? When the sun is nowhere to be seen, but it's still light outside, so there's there's something else, because the sun's gone, or the sun is behind clouds, say it's really stormy, you can still see outside, right? So they even believed, and when we get into the firmament, they they would see the sun. And the moon as different lights. They, they didn't know the, the sun reflecting off the moon. And they even believed that stars were the firmament was this blue dome that was over us, which I talked about a little bit last week. And stars were engravings that were in the blue dome that we would see like the light then from heaven. So, again, th- these aren't things when we look for Genesis to answer questions of, of science. I think we're asking the wrong questions. Again, we're asking how does God reveal himself through this? What is God really saying through Genesis and how is he showing himself and how is the author relaying how God has revealed himself to his intended audience, which is now us. We got to get in that culture. Um, God through this let there be light and there was light. He was not trying to explain photons and how light reflects off of things and how we see and how our retinas and our brains work. He's not getting into all that. So I think we're asking the wrong question there. We're trying to see how is God revealing himself? So let's keep going. And, uh, verse four, and God saw the light and saw that it was good. So one thing I want to just tag on this real quick before we get into the meat of it, which is, the end of four and part of five is this word good. Uh, It's translated other ways as pleasant, pleased. So we, um, what's the opposite of good, Bad. bad, evil, right? So this isn't saying that this isn't making a moral claim. So what this is saying is that, God created light, which we're going to unpack what that might mean. God created light and God was pleased with what he did. So just simply at that, uh, he's, he's pleased with, with what he has created is, is working how he desired it to work. And he's calling it good. He's pleased. So this isn't a, a moral characteristics that characteristic that's being placed on it. This is God saying he's pleased. Does that makes sense. So now we need to unpack. What is he pleased with? What is this thing that he's created that he's saying? I'm pleased with how that is. And let's finish. uh, Well, I'll read through four and five and God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness. He called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So this is the part where this might be something that you haven't heard before. And maybe there's going to be more questions, but God through the author, author, again, is not talking about science. He's not trying to lay down the science of how uh, photons work and wavelengths and the visual spectrum of these tiny waves we can't see and these big waves we can't see, but we have this small spectrum that we can actually see. He's not diving in any of that. What he's doing, and I'll actually, I'll ask a question, have you ever wondered, uh, I'm dancing all around this first. <laughs> you guys remember last week, if you were here, how I was saying, I think it was last week. It might've been our other why series that we did, but how we're so familiar with scripture. And I do this. I I'm well aware of this in me. So I'm, I'm genuinely curious if this is something we all do where if we know a scripture so well, we kind of read through it and we already have our understanding of what it means. And we just blast through it not stopping to think through stuff. And then you go back and like, really think through it. And you're like, wow, I think I've been just like flying through this way too fast. Anybody else catch themselves reading scripture like that? Yeah. We just fly through. So think about this. Um, like we did it last week. That's what it is. We did it when, uh, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. So, like anybody thought of like, what does that look like? That's claiming things. That's claiming material. So here, Have you ever asked yourself why God called light? So he just created light and then he gives it, he names it something else. He calls it day. Does that seem funny? Strange? Maybe? So God created light. Now that thing that I just created, calling it light, I'm going to call it day. Seems kind of bizarre, right? We're going to go through this. Um, we actually have, um, this is, this is used in language all the time and we use it even in all our culture is a metonymy. So what would you guys understand if I said I got a new set of wheels, a new car, right? So, uh, metonymy is saying that it's a part of something that's closely related to the whole that it's, that's pointing back to. So, um, a few more examples is, um, I have a meeting with the suits, Executives. Yep. There's going to be an, uh, this afternoon, the white house is going to issue a statement. Does that mean a physical building is going to put out a statement of, of what it thinks it's representing the, the, the president in that building. Right. Um, So here we see the, the Hebrew word or word or is light. And God calls light, or he calls light, yom, day. So so to the ancient Israelite, they weren't thinking of the sun. And we also see that God divides, um, at the end of four, and God divided light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So we can see from the function of this, God's creating Periods right does that Make sense how we can arrive at that Is that he's divided the light From the dark so there's A light period and a dark Period which totally coincides With why he called light day And dark he called night remember We don't have the Israelites Aren't thinking of the sun as being um, Their source of light so light Is If you could time Travel back to that time light is just there's this period of light and that's day. And then there's this period of where everything's dark and that's night. That's what he's, uh, unpacking here. God created the period of light and the period of darkness. So we can conclude, um, if you can follow me through this, we can conclude that as God is saying, he creates light and we have the questions of, well, we have verse where it's the, the glory of God is, is light. There's no need for the sun. We also have, um, if he's creating, sorry, if he's creating uh, light and he's creating this time period that we can see that these Israelites are viewing this, this time, this, this section of light as, as God is calling that light day. And therefore we can look at it as God is creating time, actually the order of time, which again, back in verse four, when I was saying, um, and God saw that it was good, it was functioning. So he's saying that, okay, here's this section of light and here's this section of night. And I'm going to divide the two And I'm pleased with how this is working. And we're seeing the beginning of God creating what we know as time on the first day, the first functioning of time. And then what's cool is we actually see it in the end of five, which um, if you nerd out in Old Testament scholars, they have a hard time with, you notice it says there was evening and then there was morning. And then people are like, well, it should be. Then there was morning and then there was evening. Well, this follows the train of thought that if God created light and he separated the light from the dark, so then that first cycle is then he's created the daytime, right? So if we're, we're calling light or day, yom, then he's created the daytime. Then what's the next thing to come after is the nighttime. So then there was evening which was that next transition. Then there was morning day light. So yom. And that was the first day. And we, and it, and it's pretty intuitive, right? That we have the very first thing before we have the name of days before we have, there was the first day God creates time. And so it's this, this different view and, um, go home and wrestle with it struggle with it uh, in a good way, but dig into scripture where we're seeing not just the physical matter of God created, God created light and there was no sun. And then somehow we know that light comes from sun, but the sun wasn't until the third day, all that kind of confusion of that. There was just light, but God is creating order. And that's the constant theme we're going to see throughout um, scripture is not just creating material things. Just look, I made, there's a lot of things not accounted for. And if you, when you, if you view it just as material origins, there's a lot of things not accounted for, right? There's a lot of things missing, but if we see that it's God taking tohu vavohu, which is what we see in Genesis one, two. So he's taking wild and waste. And all of a sudden he's, Placing it in order and it's going to function the way he's called it to function. And so all of a sudden God sends time into motion on day one. And it's a constant rotation of day and night that we can set our calendars to daylight savings and all that's moving and it's functioning. And again, if we go back to the ancient Israelites, the ancient near East, what they were concerned with was not the material of I wish I could understand what photons were and how light works. They were concerned with how does all this work? How can I rely on day and night and seed time and harvest? How can I rely on how all this world seems to, to mechanically work so smoothly? That's what they're looking at. And so we, we're going to study through Genesis, how God is creating order out of chaos, he's putting structure to material again that we can look in uh, Colossians and John to say that God created everything. So there's no disputing that. But I think we can look at Genesis and see that it's not just uh, the, the story of matter coming to existence. It's the story of God setting in motion order and structure and we're gonna find our meaning, our function as as we get to that day. You guys remember, and I've said it a few times, how this is gonna be the story of the um, the building, the home, and not the building of the house. Um, I'm gonna try to illustrate that here, and then we're gonna get to praying together. Um, so, silly question, but hear me. What's this? It's camera, right? So we're viewing Genesis as um, I think how we typically view Genesis is we view it as like, this is a lens, and this is the body, and this is a light, and this is a battery, and this is a memory card, and this is the camera stand, the tripod, and those are all the things. Now, we all see this as a camera. Our camera equipment. So what's happening here is I'm saying, let's view Genesis as the functions of it. So let's say that this is God taking things that these are all things that he was created, but this is God taking things and placing them how he wants them and saying like, look, Good memory card's in there. That's that's what I need. The lens is on there. That's the lens I want for what we're doing. That's good. I'm pleased with that. This is the battery that I need for this. That's good. Oh, here's the light, which hopefully this big honking thing stays on here. Um, yep. This is the light. This is the light for it. We'll let that go back here. And then here is the, so it's still a camera, right? I didn't change anything, but we're concerned with now, not the, the lens, the body, the battery, the memory card, the tripod. We're looking at the function of it, that God is taking these things, all these things that he's created. And he's now putting order out of the chaos and that it's not just things, but he's giving things their functions. So now If this didn't function the way I wanted it to function, if this camera didn't work, is it any good to me? It's not good. I'm not pleased with it if it's not functioning the way I want it to function. And honestly, if if this camera's not working, it's hard for us to get out of the um, material oriented mindset. But if this can help, if this camera totally didn't work, is it not just trash? And in in that ancient concept, can it not exist? Does does my brain go, when I go, I need a camera, and this thing doesn't work, I don't think, oh, I have a camera. I think, I don't have a camera. You understand how it's kind of like saying this camera doesn't exist? I don't have a functioning camera. Even though this is a camera, but it's the function of it that is giving it, It's meaning. I think this is how we can view Genesis, wrestle with Genesis is God revealing himself is again, I'm uh, reiterating over and over, but that he's creating these functions, these orders of how he's ordered the world. And it's foundational um, for understanding the rest of scripture. And even in my mind, and it could be just how my brain works, but a material, um, opening scripture with a material origin isn't even as impactful to me as opening scripture and seeing right from the beginning, the structure and the intent of what God is doing, the purpose of everything. The fact that he made things is points to how awesome he is. And that's why we see it in other scripture in the new Testament but God is revealing himself in creating the order out of chaos on giving functions. And that he's called each and every one of us and all of creation to function in a certain way. And we see that on this first day as God creating, not just light and dark, not just photons and reflection, but God creating time. And that time is still functioning and time is still going. That all you guys pick up on that. So we're going to wrestle through and see the the functional purpose of everything as we go through creation. And again, um, to try to bait you to the very end. And also because I'm totally honest when I say it. Day seven is epic. I can't wait to get to day seven. But as we see, um, as we see this in scripture, we see God is a God of order and he's revealing himself through it. And as always, this is meaningless. If it's just head knowledge, this is meaningless. If this is just uh, understanding ancient cultures and ancient history, this is all meaningless. If Jesus Christ is not on the scene is that we can only open the scripture and our eyes can only be open to scripture because Jesus Christ stepped in and paid the price for us. And brought us into relationship with the father. And so that these studies through Genesis and understanding God and how he's revealing himself through men and to men is awesome. And studying the cultures is awesome. And studying the languages is awesome. But the main thing in all of it, and this may feel like a a hard turn, but it's a turn that we need to make. Every time we get together, every time uh, I'm up here, though we're studying through Genesis and talking about functions and and the creation of time, the main thing is that this all can happen because of Jesus Christ coming, paying a debt that we can never pay, that we can be in right standing with the Father, that the Holy Spirit can reveal the Father in Christ to us through this living and active word that is piercing our hearts. Amen.